Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for our most favorite part of the week, the time of the week when we get to tell you what's on our minds. and That's not true. Pretty much not listen it, to anything they have to say. It's our favorite time because we get to screw around a bunch and do a podcast. <laughs> and it's called work. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Remember that time we're like, oh, if we start a, a, a movie podcast, you know, we're commenting on it from a Christian perspective, we could go to the movies for a job and claim it on our taxes. I'm not saying that I still do that anyway, but it's, <laughs> it's possible that for every year I've had to file taxes, there's a, a deduction under meals and entertainment. We need Pete's tax guy. We absolutely do. No, you don't. You don't want my tax guy. <laughs> I've been audited by my tax guy. Of course, my tax guy yeah. is me. Jeez, I got to take a leak so bad I can taste it. Oh, wait. Do we just had another voice pop up? And people are probably wondering, who in the world is that on the podcast? Oh, yeah. We haven't yeah. even it's introduced. somebody on one of your buttons. It's, yeah, that's it. Well, uh, before we get to today's topic, uh, actually, you need to tell them what today's topic is. And then we can go into some smack talk. All right. So today's topic is the church planter and loneliness. And just to give it a little writer, we've got Andrea on here today because I think the loneliness that a church planter goes through is unique, but even more unique than that is the loneliness that a church planter's wife goes through. And so we've asked Andrea, it's my wife, uh, my better part. My I better was wondering half. if you were going to actually tell everyone who Andrea was, like they were supposed to know. Yeah, yeah. If you listen to the podcast, you know my wife, and uh, I do have a wife. I did not make her up. She is not a figment of my imagination, like Hector Mora, who is the Snuffleupagus. 
but uh, she actually exists and she's here. And so, Pete, we have to behave today. I don't even know what that means because that pretty much makes me want to be worse. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's part of your uh, antisocial personality disorder. It really is. It really is. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you going to do when the Church Planner podcast runs wild on you? I should also point out that we were actually uh, recommended by a, a dear friend of the podcast to not use the Hulk Hogan anymore since he got fired for saying a, a racist comment like eight years ago. It's actually not Hulk Hogan, if it makes anyone feel better. <laughs> it's actually a guy we paid to talk like Hulk Hogan. Um, and this is what I said earlier. I was like, I got to tell you this. And, oh, I got to save it for the podcast. And you're like, no, this no. Isn't your, this isn't your movie career again, is it? No. Because that would definitely qualify. <laughs> this is not my movie career. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the train. That was perfect. Oh, did you hear it in stereo? Because Andrew is on too. I actually heard an echo of the echo of the train. Can you, can you tell my dogs are barking? <laughs> 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 like, literally, my dogs are barking. Oh, man. Every time you say that, that makes me laugh. Like you're something like grandma in the Old West going, my dogs are really barking. <laughs> That's why I start laughing, My feet too. are so tired. As soon as I say it. No, here's what my comment was earlier. And and this is where what it's all tying back to. Um, so I gave my wife my old Mac. Like she gets the hand-me-down computer every time. I'm like, ooh, bright, shiny object. I need to upgrade. I give her my old one. So her computer ends up just running slow and can barely do anything. And I'm I'm not really a Mac guy. Like, I really know the PC pretty well. Um, and so I'm kind of new to the whole Mac thing. And on the Mac, her Mac, even though she uses it now, I guess somehow my information is still in the system. <laughs> so you know how, like, your text messages will pop up on your screen? Yeah. Well, all my text messages pop up on her screen, and I never oh, realized no. it. And I'm like, oh, gosh, um, those texts between me and Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me explain these, you know, because have you ever thought about that? Some of the text that you and I send back and forth, I'm like, gosh, you know, if either one of our phones gets hacked, I mean, they're going to be like, oh, look at what these guys have said to each other. I mean, it, and I mean, it. I don't even know. I mean, that's going to sound funny to everyone who's listening right now. They're going to be like, do you mean hang in there, kitty? Well, the, the <laughs> pictures. I mean, we got to explain half these pictures. Why are these guys texting each other pictures like of Christmas their underwear? Pictures? Yeah, the underwear. <laughs> I mean, there's like everything. Little snide remarks that we do that are totally like how yeah. we deal with the bad situation. <laughs> yeah. just, and, and that's what you guys got to know is Pete and I both. It, it's kind of it's unfortunate that we found each other because we both have very dark senses of humor. So when things are, are pretty bad and nobody should laugh at them, Pete and I will make a comment. And that's how my family deals with pain. Andrew will remember that when my dad died, um, my dad's best friend started yelling at us. He got really upset because me and my brother are sitting there just – my dad died suddenly and unexpectedly. I was in Wales. My brother was in D.C. We had to like immediately get on planes, fly out there. We were pretty broken up, pretty devastated, and yet we're cracking jokes the whole time. You know, as we're cleaning his apartment out and sorting through. Well, you're either cracking jokes or throwing punches, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, we kind of were. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, but, but that's how we process it. And so there are very few people that would understand our tech speed. 
but, oh, but that's my making point. stuff up about people. I mean, I, I read yeah. something this morning about the, uh, the political race on Facebook because that darn it is a source you can trust. <laughs> you know, that's and, the uh, number one source that people get their news is from oh, Facebook. Facebook. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it's disgusting. Awful. It's true. That's where I get mine. <laughs> and meanwhile, well, the, the photograph is from like 20 years ago and it's, you know, different country, and they're applying it to one country. And- did, did you see that article, Peyton? Because you brought up uh, Chris Pratt, remember? And you're like, oh, well, I saw it on Facebook, so it has to be true because something happened to his his yeah, baby yeah. was born preemie, and you know, and, and you're like, and it was on Facebook, so it has to be true. And then someone writes a rebuttal argument to it, going, you know, this whole article and when he said this was like years before, yeah, his movie came out, and you know, it's just. It's clickbait is what they call it. Oh, right? yeah. Because they're trying to get you and, to click on and, it, read it, and make money off the advertising. And, of course, you know, it's tongue-in-cheek about, oh, of course it's yeah, true. You were, you were totally tongue-in-cheek about it. Yeah, Absolutely. because you know how I look at Facebook? I look at Facebook. But, like see, that's what world. I'm saying. I could actually say, but no, Peyton actually said this. <laughs> exactly. We need to string him up. Hey, Batboy lives. That's all I'm saying. Batboy is real. I've I seen actually, pictures uh, in news of the world. My my dad, I remember one time we were at uh, the grocery store checking out, and he <laughs> says to me and my sister, he goes, I don't want to catch you guys ever even looking at these magazines, right? And it was like uh, National Enquirer, Globe, <laughs> stuff like that, and, you know, stuff where you'd find Batboy. And what's yeah. funny is... Nowadays, I try and buy them whenever I can <laughs> because as a marketer, <laughs> it's like some of the best marketing you can find is literally in the National Enquirer. It's the number one read newspaper in the nation. Yeah. In the nation. Bigger than yeah. USA Today, New York Times. It's bigger than all of them. To get a classified ad, those little tiny you know, three-line things at the back is like so stinking expensive because yeah. of how popular that magazine is. And the headlines Ooh. are great. You, know, you can see it now on Elvis uh, fathered my alien baby. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're wonderful. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I mean, in the church world, you see it seeping into where um, now it's kind of like the same sensational, you know, headlines, um, you know, uh, shoot, man. I, I mean, I wrote, you know, an article not long ago called Ed Stetzer fathered my alien baby, but did I, you, you know, I just, you saw what I did there. I replaced, you know, Elvis for Ed Stetzer. Did you? No. Oh, you should have. I was like, that would have been a great article. But if I saw it, on, if I put it on Facebook, you believe it. Well, yeah. And look at the headline that I used for Jump School. Remember we were talking about that because it was like <laughs> you totally, you totally use clickbait on that. I totally, and I even admitted it. I go, I'm using this headline because I hate them, and I know they work. And it was something like, but what happened next? You won't believe. That's right. And I go to you. I go, man, that's so cheesy. And you go, I know. <laughs> I was like, it's awful. And it'll work. That's the worst part. It will. I'll never forget the guy coming up to me. And I think I mentioned this like a month ago. A guy coming up to me at the conference and he goes, what is this? This is like those cheesy marketing. And I'm like, and yet everybody's talking about it at this conference. Are they? Remember? <laughs> yes. It like causes riot, man. People were like all over that thing. We had so many people coming to the booth because you used one of those headlines. Yeah, I got to find that headline. Actually, I've, I've got that postcard. That was such a good postcard. We had such a great response to that, that postcard. postcard. What's that? It was a great postcard. Yeah, but it's see, now like, looking eh. back on it, after we've worked together for so long, because that was like at the beginning of our journey together. Yeah. I don't even know if I could use that same headline today because it so like repulses me. 
which is why I knew it would repulse them. But like now it repulses me because I'm one of them, I guess. I, I'm. Does that mean I'm rubbing off on you a little bit? I don't know. You're watering down my marketing, and it's really bothering me. Hey, Check this play. Jesus guy, he comes in and changes everything. I'm just saying. He's changing my marketing. <laughs> well, in my game. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I thought I had some other great stories to share with you. but Oh, I will say this. I'm trying to hire an assistant, right? So I, I posted on Facebook that I'm, I'm looking to hire an assistant, someone for 20 hours a week. If you're interested in a 20-hour-a-week gig, reach out to me on Facebook. And uh, it's funny. Everybody who replied to it um, and PM'd me is a church planner. Every yeah. single one of them. Like no one from any of the other worlds that I work in, like the MMA world, um, any of my business, uh, you know, connections or just friends or family. None of them. All church planners. Wow. You're, you're kind of like the Count Zinzendorf of like the new millennium. I don't know, you know? what that is, but that sounds well, really cool. Count Zinzendorf, uh, founded a movement called the Moravians and they were missionaries. They were kind of like the, 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 the morning stars of the missionary movement, right? Before, before the sun really rose on that. Uh, they, they inspired John Wesley. Um, William Carey. I mean, the Moravians were dynamite, but there was this guy named Count Zinzendorf and he was like this millionaire. He was like a, a noble, a lord. And, uh, I think he was in Austria or something. Anyways, he, uh, was mounting the steps of his mansion and there was a stained glass window or a portrait or something that had Jesus crucified. And he looks up at it and he felt God speak to him in a vision and say, or, or prophetically, however you want to put it, this I have done for thee. What hast thou done for me? And he opened up his entire like manor estate for anyone who wanted to come and be discipled. And this is like the 1700s. And, uh, and, and this became like this huge life and community missionary movement. They went all over the globe. And, uh, I'm just saying you're kind of like that for church planners now. You're, you're funny. So he funded them out of his wealth. And, uh, I'm just saying I'm going to start calling you Count Mitcheldorf. That is your new title. <laughs> My wife laughed. That was awesome. That's I don't even know how to respond to that because I am, I would, if I had that dude's money, I think that would be great. I think you could call me that. I'm not that guy yet. Not yet. But when you build your little army of church planners, soon you will take over the world. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> you know what I noticed? I went back and listened to our podcast. We laugh at every sound effect we play. <laughs> We laugh at our own sound effects. No we matter so how many times we play them. We play them over and over again. <laughs> we do. We play the same ones. It's the same I'm waiting ones. for the meatball. Well, I have I used yeah, I did. I already used that one this Every morning. Every podcast, the meatball makes and I don't know why, but we laugh at it. We think it's funny. I and don't then, even know what that's from. And then you sent me like seventy some odd Star Wars <laughs> clips and you're like, here, put all these in there. <laughs> that one wasn't very impressive. What that's was that? it. That, oh, oh! here's a good one. This one I like. The, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. <laughs> one of the best. You you need to overdo ever. that one like you did Miyagi. With, sir, the odds of successfully planting a church plant. <laughs> you just <laughs> added church plant. That's awesome. Or, or Jabba, you know, this church planter is my kind of scum. Yeah, but he says it in another language, and you can only use the subtitle. That would be tricky. That would be tricky. So, anyway, that's all I got for Smack Talk. 
Well, I got one thing, and this comes. We asked you guys. uh, Except I will say this: there's a dentist uh, in another state who apparently is offering lion steaks. I don't know if you've heard about that. You know, Cecil the lion steaks. I won't believe it unless you saw it on Facebook. It's on Facebook. Oh, then hey, sign me up. Let's get some, babe. You want some lion steaks? I want some lion steaks. Omaha, Mm, Omaha lion steaks. He's a dentist, so they probably clean your teeth. You don't, like do you even know about that story, Mister? I don't have a TV. Hmm? Do you even know about that story? No, no, no. I don't have. Are a you TV. serious? You guys don't know about Cecil the Lion? No. Neither one of you. No. Oh no. my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't even know who I'm talking to. I don't. I mean, how can you not be up with Cecil the Lion? I just thought you were like looking at Facebook while we're talking. You're like, oh, lion steaks. Now, you guys seriously don't have not heard about Cecil the lion? Have no TV? Yeah, but you have That's Facebook. That's where I get all my news. <laughs> uh, we've obviously been looking at different parts of Facebook than you. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I got to give you a quick and then we'll get on to the topic because I know we're like well in I don't the get to share my Facebook thing or my, my Smack Talk Facebook no. revelation. No, no one cares. No one cares. Now, here's the thing. That is true. Cecil the Lion, this dentist, went on a safari in Zimbabwe, and the lion that he killed with his crossbow ended up being the beloved Cecil Lion. Like, it had. Who's that? Apparently, it was like tourists would all go and see Cecil, and everyone loved Cecil, and he'd paid like $50,000, $55,000 to go hunt a lion. And so. Everyone is in an uproar, and they're trying to extradite him now because they want to call it poaching. And everyone's in an uproar because he killed Cecil the lion, and so everyone's like, oh, how can you dare kill a lion? So you got everybody who's like pro, you know, you know, uh, hunting is up in arms against everyone who's anti-hunting and, you know, all that. So that's like going on on Facebook. And then you got on top of it all. Every Christian out there seems to be going, well, wait a second. What about the babies? You know, with the whole abortion thing. And then, like, literally. Babies and lions. Well, that's the thing is, like, now when I'm reading a story on Cecil, somebody has to stick one of the aborted baby pictures in there and go, let's put everything into perspective. And I'm like, great. Now I'm, like, being assaulted on all fronts. And I'm like, I can't believe you've not heard anything about Cecil. I'm still in shock about that. I haven't. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Well, forget it. I'm done. What's your story? I I guess Facebook's uh, automated deal doesn't think I care about either one of those topics, which uh, I do. (laughs) Not not so much the lion one, but maybe the other one. Oh, dude, the other one just – I told you. If we didn't have a topic for this morning, that's what I want to talk about because that one is just wrecking me up inside. Yeah, same here, man. It's, oh it's bad news. It is it's bad news. And, you know, it's interesting because, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we could talk about it, but that we probably should save that for another broadcast. But if you get me started, I won't stop. And we got Andrea on here. To, I know that's to the talk thing. About we didn't topic. have your guest. Who but happens but to be really alive. quickly, really quickly. Um, Barry Waters did ask, uh, a question. He sent it in. He said, if you were. Uh, going to be, cause we asked people for questions. We said, send it, send us in any question you want Pete and I to answer. We don't care what it is. We'll answer it. And, uh, the question was, uh, what, uh, professional wrestling character would you name yourself? 
if you were one, and what would be your gimmick? So I came up with mine. So I'll give you a couple minutes to think about it, and I'll tell you what mine is. Okay. So I would be. What, what, let me ask, what, what does it mean yeah. by gimmick? Yeah, that's what I asked him. I didn't know what he, I'm not that familiar with pro wrestling. So that doesn't show I, up in my newsfeed on Facebook. So I don't know much about it. No, you don't care about that subject. But, but here's the deal. The, the Facebook, uh, the, the, what Facebook told me about this was that the gimmick is something like, um, kind of like junkyard dog had his chains or, um, you know, uh, you know, who was the guy that had the big boa constrictor and he'd come out with his boa and he'd sick it on people. Um, that was his gimmick. So Andrew, you can play this too. Um, but, but I already have mine. <laughs> I knew she would. <laughs> Don't ever play Balderdash with this woman. She is so stinging creative. But, uh, so mine would be Peyton the Preacher Jones. And I would, uh, I would go up there and uh, first off, I would arrive in like a Pope mobile. With like the bullet pla- bulletproof glass, and uh, and I might even come in like pope robes and a pope hat, just because that'd be fun, right? Uh, maybe even a monk's hood, and like occasionally I'd do like someone else would be wearing my monk hood because I'd throw it off and I'd be naked under my uh, speedos. Sorry, because you got to wear speedos, right? But on my uh, on my on my uh, on my uh, I don't know. Like I'd, I'd throw things at people. I'd, I'd hit them with giant Bibles. Um, I would, uh, yeah, I would have a giant Bible I'd hit them with. Um, I would, uh, let's see when, when, when I am knocking them out and they're begging for mercy, I'd read them their last rites. Um, that'd be kind of cool. That'd be my gimmick. And, uh, then, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't think of anything else. That was it. Peyton the preacher Jones. Woo-hoo. So what would yours be, Andrea? So mine would be Scooby Doo. <laughs> Gonna mess all over you. Oh, I don't know about that. That, that sounds kind of sounds kind of yucky. Yeah. Well, you know, Scooby Doo. Just you know, you have all my would it be like rescue. Andrea Scooby Doo Jones. Yeah, just have all my you know rehabilitated pitbulls come up on stage. Oh, that me. would actually be kind of cool. That would. And be cool. then each one of them would be sent out into the audience with a Scooby Doo snack. And Ooh, so you throw you Scooby would, snacks. I like. You never know what those Scooby snacks were going to be, and so, and you'd never know who'd get to get one. You know, if you had yeah. the giant sandwich and you were holding that, that would be like my two favorite things. Yeah. So that's yeah. That would be my gimmick. My my rehabilitated pipples. They'd be going out into the audience rather than chewing them up. They would give them Scooby snacks. Wait, but your dogs could could still bite people, right? No, only oh. if they weren't. You know, cheering me on. I, I would say you should go by the name Scrappy Doo because since you're wrestling and fighting, no, that's and stuff. that's Eden. That would be Eden. <laughs> so you'd throw our kids in it. That'd be another gimmick. Our children. <laughs> I like in, that. They come up on stage with their little, you know, Scrappy outfits. That's a nice touch. Exploiting our children in the ring. I like well, that. you got. That's why you have them. <laughs> and I they know, do chores. I, I know what mine. We're waiting be. a few years, but eventually they can do chores. Oh, okay, I'm excited about that. I, I know what mine would be. All right. I would be Pete Cecil Mitchell, <laughs> and I'd come out wearing a lion costume with the head on my head, and then I would have one of the tracking collars around my neck, just like Cecil did. <laughs> and when you really worked a guy over, you'd throw steaks out to the audience, like you were chopping steaks I'd go, these off. These are him. Omaha Cecil steaks. Here you go. Oh, I love it. 
And then your robe would have like sponsored by Facebook. <laughs> it wouldn't be a robe though. It'd be an actual. Oh yeah, baby. You know, imagine the Indian guy who uh, puts like the whole, uh, you know, panther head on and yeah, dude, Temple skin. of Doom. Yeah, that would be me only with a lion with Cecil. I would actually have nice. Cecil on me. Nice. This In fact, is awesome. I bet you if that dentist did that, he would be forgiven by everyone. How come we don't do this more often? <laughs> what this is fun. I just want to have a podcast about this. <laughs> because we always say that and then we go, yeah, but we're never going to actually do it. No. Like the movie podcast. I got you to to watch some extra movies that you wouldn't normally watch to do the podcast. And then we never did the podcast. Yeah, that's true, huh? Yeah. But you did, <laughs> did give the ending away like five different ways. Which which ending? He's a man. Oh, well, that was a different movie. He gave birth to himself. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh wait, wait, I'm getting a ver- was, I'm getting a visual message. message. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah, your wife is saying she's, okay, she's right. got to leave soon. In other words, she doesn't want to do the podcast anymore. She's okay. had it with us. <laughs> yeah, we've I had her on here. We better we better up. hurry up and use All right, her. Here, here's a little Doc Brown for us. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Okay. So today's topic is all about loneliness, and I'm gonna let my beautiful bride I'll I'll set it up for the introduction. Then I'm gonna let her talk about it. A little bit because um, she's got to go and pick up our kids. So uh, with that, here we go. Um, first off, loneliness. Um, church planners get lonely. There is stuff that you go through uh, in ministry, and it's lonely. It's tough. Um, and sometimes you you have this thing where maybe you're dying inside and you're thinking, who do I share this with, right? Because uh, on one hand, you're kind of the team motivator, you're the team leader and, uh, you could be struggling. And I always kind of subscribe to a, a transparency model, you know, telling people that, look, you got to be who you are. But at the same time, um, there are times where you just need, uh, you need to, to, you need to have a cure for that loneliness. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But babe, the, uh, the loneliness that a church planner's wife feels is kind of unique to her. Would you like to talk about that a bit? When you said yeah, babe, I were think... you talking to me or her? Uh, <laughs> Andrea. Okay. <laughs> well, I think um, when I think about it, I think I think it's very similar to the loneliness a missionary would feel. Um, I How many times have we sung um, the Cheers song? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, you know, or we'll start just singing along. Sometimes you want to go. Wish we had that clip. but i think um you don't really belong to any group necessarily when you're a church planter i mean maybe you've been you've had ascending church but you are you're on your own you're out there you're forging um whether it's overseas or whether it's just in a new area of america um you're forging new grounds in with new relationships and everything is starting from the ground up and Sometimes you just want to go where everybody knows your names when you're you're a church planter, and it can be um, it can be lonely. I think, especially for the church planter's wife or someone who um, is really looking for a sense of community, um, whether with the kids or whether in a women's group or whatever it is, to know exactly where you would want to um, invest yourself in your relationships and your friendships and. Um, cause you're starting all from the ground up. Yeah. Really. 
And and this, that can be a lonely place to be, especially if, like I said, a lot of church planters, they've left, say, California, and they've moved to Seattle. We may not even think of them as being missionaries overseas or anything. I mean, we think, oh, they're still in America. But really, they're going to go through all the same isolation feelings as someone who has gone to another foreign country because their yeah. family's not there, their best friends aren't there, the people they've gone to child, gone through childhood and school with. So for the church planter's wife, and maybe for women in general, I know pastors, you know, or the church planter himself would feel this at times, but it's those close connections that when, say, your kid's sick and you, you're going, where do I go for the doctors? Just having that connection of someone yeah. you can call and would point you in the right direction. You can feel very isolated in that. I, I think you, you bring up, I mean, there's so many different ways a church planner's wife can feel isolated and lonely. And I think, you know, church planners, it's important to know this. Your Achilles heel is really your wife and, and her Achilles heel is you. And so here's the deal is nothing brings a church plant down faster than the planter, uh, you know, kind of sacrificing his family for the church. And so, you know, you have to listen. And if you're here today and you're like, oh, man, this is one about, you know, loneliness and he's got a woman talking about it. Listen, especially listen to this. Um, Andrew, you brought up a good point about, um, you know, the support systems. You just kind of hinted at it. Um, those are so important. And I think you're saying like when someone moves away from those support systems, then they're kind of, that's a real, <clears throat> that's a real weakness that they have. And, um, you know, it, it's a liability. What, what kind of support systems have you learned are necessary for you to stay in the fight? Well, I think a key thing. I mean, number one on that list is um, for us as a couple, when we're starting on a new venture or just in general in the ministry, that we have our devotions as, cup, as a couple. I mean, yeah, I have my individual devotion. I probably shouldn't be in the ministry if I don't know how to do that. Um, but our couple devotional where we come together and not just write, oh, this, that, and the other and complain, or you just complain about the stresses of the ministry, but where we actually um, go through something that gives us mutual encouragement as a couple because you maybe don't have a pastor preaching to you all the time or you maybe don't have um, some of those other spiritual, um, I suppose, spiritual leaders in your life. When you're at the point where you are a spiritual leader, you have to find a way to feed yourself. So I think for us, when we grab a book together, um, and not just rehashing stresses in the ministry and talking back and forth, those things. I mean, that's needed too, but that's a big support for me. Um, that's a number one support. And then the, I'd say the other thing is for me um, to get involved in something in my local community, whether where I meet local people, whether it's, um, you know, a ballet lessons for the girls, where I'm meeting other local moms and people that I can um, talk to and find relationship with and not necessarily Christian, but just get to know people in my area and find friendships. Someone who I can say, Hey, where's, where's the best place to go take your kid to the dentist in this area? Just some of those practical supports. Yeah. Um, but first it's the spiritual support. And then I'd say this, the practical supports. Um, Cause you might not get those other 
might take a while to get those other really supportive spiritual friendships. I mean, those take a little bit of time they to do. build. And, and that, that is mandatory. You do need that. Um, I think know. that was kind of the reason why when we came back from uh, Wales, you kind of said to me, hey, hon, promise me you won't make us move again. Because we had just left some of our best friends for life. And I, I, you know, the wisdom in me said, okay, listen to that. Cause I had grand plans about what I was going to be doing. And yet in hindsight now we're, we're four years later since we moved back. I am so glad that you had the wisdom to see that because even now we're still building those friendships and, you know, we've just left another church in Long Beach. And so we, we didn't have it quite as good as we could have. It would have been great to have, have kind of stayed with that congregation, but constantly rebuilding that is difficult and that can contribute to the loneliness. Having people that, uh, kind of like you said in cheers, um, you know, where everybody knows your name, people know you, that takes time. And yeah. so, you know, church planner know that that and, and church planner's wife know that, that those investments, those relationships, are going to take time. You may have yet in the next year friends coming your way or even people you know now that a couple of years from now, you don't know what you do without them. Um, what, what other things, what other ways have you, hun, um, overcome the loneliness that comes with being a church planner? Because uh, church planners know that loneliness is normal in this gig. It just is, you know. Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> you say, have I overcome? I don't know that you ever completely overcome it. There's just mm-hmm. times you, it is lonely. Um, so there's, there are times that it, it can be just lonely, especially if you're a church planter who's like what we were doing where you're being a serial church planter, where you, you, you go in, you establish a church, you make this amazing team, these wonderful friendships, and then you move on. And I never felt like you made me do that. You know, we chose to do that. But I think at a certain point, especially when you start having little ones, you're like, right, I really need a solid Christian community that will kind of be around us and support our kids and us and we support them and back and forth. But I think you go, I think just being in the ministry alone um, can be a lonely time because can be a lonely place because you you're at technically in church terms, the top. And so you don't necessarily, um, it takes time to build those friendships that you feel can actually input into you as well as you input yeah. into them. So a lot of times you're giving out and you love doing it. You love giving out. You love encouraging others and, and helping them in their walk. But it, it takes time to find that friends that you feel are giving back into you spiritually as well. Well, some, some people would say like, oh, you know, if you're in ministry, you can't have friends in, in you know, in your church. Um, and, and some people might be listening thinking, oh, well, that's where the, you know, self-inflicted loneliness, if you have that philosophy. What's your take on that philosophy? Well, I can't minister if I, if I'm not friends with the people I'm ministering to. I just, I don't know how you would. Um, maybe it's just my makeup. But I think you have to be friends. You have to open yourself up. But it doesn't mean that you don't have different kinds of friends for different kinds of things. And um, so I think you have to, if you're going to minister to someone, if you're going to get to know somebody well enough to know how to minister to them, you have to become friends. I, I, I just don't see how you could do it otherwise. Otherwise, it's a very distance, distant relationship, and you don't really know the person. So how can you know how to spiritually meet 
any needs there. Um, but that's, that's just the way I work and how I would be able to function or not function in the ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a, a very important point is that you minister to people and, and what you find yourself doing a lot is you find yourself, you go back and forth and this is where it can get a little lonely. Even if people are your friends and they're on your team or maybe they're people in your church, you do find yourself shifting back and forth between um, being a leader and being a friend. And that can get difficult sometimes because uh, sometimes you do need to lead them and you need to shepherd them. And sometimes you have to rebuke them and you have to tell them. And I suppose any good friend does that and you should do it as a friend does it. I think that's kind of the key is being someone's leader does not give you the right to uh, beat them over the head with truth or be a jerk to them in the name of Jesus. So I, I do think it's helpful, but I, I can find sometimes in my own heart where I think, you know, I, I, I might have in another context, um, you know, not been the person to deal with this in their life, but, but right now I have to, I actually don't have a choice where if someone who isn't in my church, I don't always have to deal with every issue that's uh that's come up in their life sometimes they do been dear dear friends of mine where i have counseled them after there's been an adulterous affair Mm. and i cannot tell you the isolation because you know when i go through things that are emotionally tough it might be that very person that i want to pick up the phone and call and say hey i just i need you to pray for me but it's them i'm counseling you know what i'm saying yeah it can can be so tough and i think I think you bring up that point too that, you know, different friendships go through different phases and different times. And the longer you're in relationship with people, um, the more that relationship changes and they go through things. They have good times, bad times. You have good times, bad times. But I think the one thing that's been really helpful to me throughout the year, especially being a church planter, missionary in a foreign country is having some of those friends who know ministry well, maybe aren't in ministry, but have always found themselves kind of in the position of support and they have just been those mature Christians who usually are quite, they're older than me and they, they have just been outside of the church that maybe I'm ministering in that I can just go to sit, have a cup of coffee. They share their stuff with me. I share my my things with them that I need prayer for. Um, And just having that prayer partner, that, that woman friend, that's just someone that, you know, you can call at any time and you can just have a prayer partner. I had from the time I was a young girl, first starting in the ministry and a newlywed <laughs> and going through all sorts of fun stuff. I had a young woman at that time, to my age now, but um, she was, I was in my 20s. She was in her 40s and she would just go walking with me once a week. Once a week, we'd go walking and we'd pray together. And I honestly think that saved our marriage back then. Well, I was going to say, you just, needed someone to talk to back in our early days of marriage, man. You were married to me. Was, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't that she even shared anything hugely profound or whatever. It was just when two walk together, it's better than one. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think you can make it long term in the ministry, especially with all the temptations that are thrown our way as married couples, whether you're single, whatever. You can't make it long term if you don't have that other spiritual friend that you can walk with at some point and just go to and talk to. And, and it's hard if you move a lot too, which has been, you know, last, our last move I left, um, probably two of my best spiritual friends that I've ever had in my entire life. And that was, 
that was a big move. And they still, I still, you know, think of them when I need some prayer and I contact them, but it's harder when we're farther away. We can't just drop in and have a cup of tea. But so I'm praying for that again. And, and I think God honors that. And I think God brings that into our lives. Um, but I'm going to have to run because I have children okay. to pick up now. All right. Well, hey, babe, thanks for being on the Take show. Two, another week, right? Absolutely. And uh, thanks for coming on. Bye-bye. <clears throat> well, that's the end of that show. Help me, Obi-Wan so, Kenobi. You're my only hope. <laughs> so, so what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll kind of talk about loneliness in general. Because I, I think that although some of the, the ways that you can be lonely, I mean, you know, Pete's a rock, right? He's like an island. He's a man mountain. He needs no one. He needs and fears no man or beast. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Karate man. He, he don't bruise on the outside. He bruises on the inside. That's a clip we need. <laughs> karate man. You know, that is a clip we need. You're going to have to find that one. And karate on man over. don't bruise on the outside. He bruises on the inside. So you brothers can't see that. Yeah. Good old uh, Eddie Murphy in Trading Places. <clears throat> you know, I don't. I. I don't know how to deal with uh, all of that stuff because, I, I mean, I'm not in that same situation, right? Like, I'm not a church planner, so I don't deal with um, the loneliness that you guys deal with. I do find it funny, though, <laughs> when, <laughs> when, you know, like Andrea says a comment like, you know, in church terms, we're at the top of the mountain, so to speak. So, you know, it's like, who can you be friends with? kind of a thing and it, it just reminds me back to one of our first conversations where you're like yeah you don't you don't treat me any differently than anyone else and i'm like hey i had a pastor for a dad there it, it it doesn't mean anything to me like you know cause- well i was impressed because i think what andrew what andrew wasn't saying was that you know you're at the top of the mountain like a pyramid i think no. what she means is you're constantly leading people yes totally yeah. i totally got that I to- and yeah. thank you for clarifying that i totally understood that as that but I could see that, you know, because a lot of people will look at you yeah. differently, right? Because well, you're the pastor. I spend you're as supposed a to have serial... all the answers as the pastor, by the way. You know, what's that? You're supposed to have all the answers. Oh, and I totally do. But you know, the the funny thing is, is that I spend the entire part of my ministry as a serial planner, waiting for people to get to the point where you were right off the bat, like you just you just weren't impressed with me and. As a serial church planner, you have to work people. Like, I can't wait till people aren't impressed with me because it means that then they will do the stuff that I've been doing. They'll realize you can do this stuff. You, I mean, our whole ministry as church planners is to empower other people to do it. That's what Paul did. That's what Jesus did. You're empowering others. And kind of like Jesus looks at his uh, followers and says, greater things than I have done, you will do. He's actually saying, you can do much more than, than, than what I've done. And, uh, and I think for me, what impressed me with you was it just, there was no time delay. It was just immediate. Like, I'm not impressed with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I dig this guy. Well, you know, the thing is though, most pastors do have that air about them of I'm the, I'm the top dog, you know, come and kiss my ring. Yeah. I mean, not usually that bad. That's why I want to wear the Pope costume if I become a pro wrestler. No, I'm down Because it would be my one chance to I'm actually put that. on airs. But, I mean, that's the way most pastors are. Like, you can't really even approach them as a regular person because you've yeah. almost got to approach them 
in a submissive, I've got this problem. I need your great wisdom to solve it for me. Yeah. And that's what I love about church planning is church planning has hardwired into it that sense that you're just an ordinary yes. guy. Yes. And, and even when Paul's writing like in the second to the, to the Corinthians and second Corinthians, they, they actually make the, the claim that, oh, he's really big and bold when he's away from us. But when he's face to face, you know, he's, he's kind of timid and meek. And I, I, I love that they misunderstood him. I love that they, what they were really picking up on and they didn't know how to process it was he's just a normal dude when he's here. He doesn't yeah. think he's something special, but when he's away, you know, this tone that comes through is probably a little more desperate, a little bit more, Hey, you need to sort this because he's not there, you know? And, and so it's disembodied. And those are the letters where he's like, look, I long to see you face to face, you know, it, it would be so much better, but I love the fact that. Well, I, and I've said this before dude. on the podcast. I think it's so cool that who God basically chose to give us the bulk of the New Testament was a guy who probably wasn't that great as a speaker. I mean, like he was probably much better at writing because of you read stuff like that. And it's just like that's what his gift was. And that's who God gave us to give us the majority of the New Testament. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it is cool, man, because, you know, he he is, I mean – Gosh, dude was such an egghead and yet he was yeah. so accessible. And, and that's kind of the thing. You see Paul getting lonely in the scripture. Um, you, you know, know there that's are a times, good point. You actually see that a lot. Yeah. I mean, and, and so in this ministry, it's just kind of an occupational hazard where there are times where you are going to feel completely alone. And I would say anyone who's ever had a mission, I read a lot of biographies. And there are people where the mission has so, they're so committed to their mission that there are times where they feel kind of like Paul, you know, all have abandoned me, all have forsaken me, all have fled, yet the Lord stood by me, you know, and, 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 and we, we feel that at times. We just feel, uh, like we're all alone. Elijah, Lord, I am all alone. And God's like, no, 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 little man, listen, you're not all alone. You're, you're actually, there are other people there with you. And, uh, and I, you know, I think we sometimes think that, that nobody else goes through what we go through. Mm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, I definitely get that and I definitely get the loneliness and, uh, I, I think it's, it's gotta be pretty crazy for the wives. Um, cause almost like as men, at least, and, and this just could be a personality thing, but for me, if I feel like I'm on a mission, not necessarily on mission, right? But on a mission, meaning for me, it's like in business, I'll get some hair up my, my skirt and I'm like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm, I'm going to go out there and just, and I'll get so tunnel focused on what I'm doing. So it's tunnel vision that, um, I don't even think about, you know, the wife and what's, uh, what's going on with her and, you know, how is she doing? Am I given enough time? And I think that's one of the things that, as I've had kids, for me, that's really what put it into check for me because hmm. I'm a workaholic. I love work. I thrive yeah. at, at work. I don't – I think you and I were talking about this yesterday. I don't have an off switch. Like someone hires me, they get the way better gig because I can't stop thinking about what we're doing together and how it needs to be improved. Like it, it, I can't turn it off. And so – 
when I was just, uh, you know, just married with no kids, I mean, it was not uncommon that I would, you know, just keep working through the night. But now that I got kids, it's like, I don't want to be that kind of a dad. I, yeah. I want my kids to, to know me, to want to be around me, to want to hang out. So, I mean, I love it in the morning. I, I never start work before 9 a.m. Um, because my son is usually sitting with me in the morning and we're sitting there watching TV or he's playing or whatever. And he'll like come up in the chair and just sit with me. And I love that. And I, I, I want to, you know, hold on to that for as long as I got. And the same thing at night, right? I, when I'm done working at night, I'm done working, which doesn't mean, unfortunately, that I'm, I'm off the iPad because I'll usually like play games while we're sitting there watching TV or something. And that drives my wife crazy. So I need to, I need to figure out <coughs> my, my, uh, my ADD kicks in dramatically when I'm sitting there. I'm like, I need need electronic stimuli. Need electronic. Ooh, Angry Birds just came out with a new Angry Birds too. I gotta play that. It's like that's how you overcome your loneliness. Apparently, that I just as long as I got five things going on at once, life's good. But uh, these are my companions. These are my friends. I've my, got my bosom babies. buddies. I've got beanie babies. That's the yeah, baby. <laughs> Digital babies. Wow, that sounds like a band name. I said Beanie Babies, but I'll take Digital Babies. That's fine. That's cool. <laughs> beanie Babies. That's funny. The thought of you owning Beanie Babies is just a hilarious thought. There, yeah. There's a quote that one guy made, and it was, The soul hardly ever realizes it, but whether he is a believer or not, his loneliness is really a homesickness for God. Mm. And I, I think that there are times in ministry where all you have is God. Um you know, it, it, like that saying that says, uh, sometimes God doesn't become everything you have until he's all you've got. And David had a, you know, that time we were talking about where it was Ziklag. I think I just quoted this a couple of weeks ago where, um, they all want to stone him, yeah. you know, all of his own men because they're women and kids. Not only did they run off and take the city and leave their women and kids behind, I can't remember if they got their butt kicked or not, but they come back. And, uh, the, the, all their wives and kids have been and stolen and they're really tired and worn out and they want to kill him. And David's own men turn on him. So not only is there the stinging pain of our wives and kids are gone, uh, but you know, that, that responsibility of leadership that maybe I let my people down because I didn't leave a, a rear guard here. Uh, but then they want to kill him. And then he's feeling the pain of betrayal and, you know, the, the rejection. And at the end, you know, it just says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. In other words, he went into that secret place of the most high, that pavilion, that rock. I mean, David uses these words over and over and that loneliness that David knew before he had the mighty men. Remember that God allowed David to be driven out into the wilderness alone. And David had to live out and scramble around like an animal. And he writes that in the Psalms. He says things like, you know, I'm like this uh, turtle dove who, you know, uh, has nowhere to go. Or I'm like, uh, you know, the the coner and the rock badger. They have a place. I have nothing. And, you know, he's in the cave of, of Adullam. Uh, you know, he's hiding out there. He's just by himself. And, you know, he's lonely. There are Psalms that are just written about loneliness and, uh, and it's good to know that God knows this, but I, I wonder if sometimes that is the answer that the only place we can go is the Lord. And I'll tell you some of my journey, um, and how, how I've learned to deal with it. Cause I get lonely a lot. I think partially my calling, um, particularly some of the, um, 
some of the stuff that God calls me to say. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I wrote Church Zero. I knew that that book was almost kind of like minister. I say it in there. This book is ministerial suicide because not only does it, uh, is it offensive, but it's challenging. It rattles the cages and no mega church pastor is going to read that and go, I think I'll have that guy come, come speak at my church. So it eliminates you from the speaking circuit. But I felt I had a message. And sometimes the mission and the message causes you to feel very isolated. And that's where I need at those moments to go back to God. He's what I have. I don't have a platform. I don't have a big crowd of people. I don't have all these things. And yet I have a message that I'm committed to. And I've had to make sacrifices for that message. And in any form of leadership or mission has those dynamics. One of the things over the years, I found a quote years ago, um, and it was George Bernard Shaw's, uh, it's an extract from St. Joan, which uh, in, a, in a monologue there, it's in scene five, and it's Joan chastising uh, the king of France uh, for not allowing her to attack the English army. And here, here's the Here's the quote. And years ago, when I was in the worst place in my life, and I'll talk about that, the most lonely I've ever been in ministry, um, I actually, uh, I I read this quote, and it helped me so much. Okay, it's from that place, St. Joan. Where would you all have been now if I had heeded that sort of truth? There is no help, no counsel in any of you. Yes, I am alone on the earth. I have always been alone. My father told my brothers to drown me if I will not stay to mind a sheep while France was bleeding to death. France might perish if only our lambs were safe. I thought friend, France would have friends at the court of the king of France, and I find only wolves fighting for pieces of her poor torn body. I thought that God would have friends everywhere because he is the friend of everyone. And in my innocence, I believe that you who now cast me out be like strong towers to keep harm from me. But I am wiser now, and nobody is any the worse for being wiser. Do not think that you can frighten me by telling me that I am alone. France is alone. Even God is alone. And what is my loneliness before the loneliness of my country and my God? I see now that the loneliness of God is his strength. What would he be if he listened to your jealous little counsels? Well, my loneliness shall be my strength too. It is better to be alone with God for his friendship will not fail me, nor his counsel, nor his love. In his strength, I will dare and dare and dare until I die. I will go now now to the common people and let the love in their eyes comfort me for the hate in yours. You will all be glad to see me burnt, but if I go through the fire, I shall go through it to their hearts forever and ever. And so God be with me. That's an awesome line. Hmm. Awesome quote. And that helped me, really helped me. Um, just to, to give you a little bit of background of where I was at and I, you know, I, I think we go through these times of loneliness, like Paul mentions in second Corinthians, uh, second Corinthians one, Paul talks about the time where they were in despair and he said, but you know, I went through that so God could comfort me. And the reason that God took me that so he could comfort me was so that I could have been through that kind of stuff that you guys have gone through and I could comfort you. Hmm. And then he goes on to say, and, and of course, that's part of leadership. I mean, think of the, the amount of loneliness that the people in your church have. Imagine, you know, suicide. There are many, many people that are suicidal in the church. There are people mm-hmm. who struggle, and you would never know it on a Sunday, but they struggle to get out of bed in the morning. 
I mean, enough years in, in pastoral ministry, I can tell you that, um, you know, I, I have just watched tons and tons of people in my church struggle with suicide or depression or, you know, just straight out, straight up loneliness. And loneliness can drive you to do weird things. That sense that I'm all alone and I have nobody, it causes you to, to go looking for love in all the wrong places. And so it's a big deal. But I think that what Paul's saying is, look, you go through these things for a reason. And so, but sometimes you'll find like people want to talk to you almost kind of like, uh, they want to comfort you. And maybe right then you don't need comfort. The Lord always knows how to deal with you. And at least he does me, right? Um, so that, that's kind of where I was at. But years ago when I read that quote, um, I was in, uh, West Wales. I was at a church. I hadn't had a pastor for 18 years and they beat the snot out of me. And I was so stinking lonely. And so I did. I had to hide myself in God then. There's, there's another thing that happened. I had to, um, I had to start finding companionship, uh, outside the church. Now I had dear, dear friends in the church, but all those people started getting isolated by the, by the, by the power brokers in the church. So it was a church revitalization and it was a difficult one. It was a tough one. Wiser ministers came and the day that, uh, they inducted me as the pastor. Um, they were like, man, I don't want to tell you at the time, but I thought, man, he's got a rough battle in front of him. And, uh, and it was, it was tough. And I was there for three years and, uh, I, I became a, a part-time firefighter to, uh, pay my bills. And, uh, and I, and I developed, you develop a camaraderie and brotherhood from people there. And I fed off that. Also, I had a, I, I lived in a village right outside of the town and that village was tight. These are people that, generations of their families had had grown up together. And for some strange reason, they took these Americans, these foreigners that came and, and, and moved into their midst, they took them under their wing, and we became um, kind of like a, a, a vibrant part of the community there. And I started learning then that sometimes for a minister, one of the best things you can do is have something that you're a part of a, a camaraderie, a brotherhood, um, something that's outside of uh, your normal circle, something where there is not any connection to anything to do with church at all. I don't care if it's a reading group. I don't care if it's a CrossFit. I don't care what it is. Um, it could be like an adoption support group, could be, you know, you name it, but make sure that you have something that is outside of that. And I mean, we could go on and on about this, but we're out of time now, Pete, because we did an extremely long smack talk. We did. We did. And uh, actually, before we close it off, I need to ask you a quick question. Have you been thinking about getting your church started with online giving, Peyton? You know, Pete, um, I can't say that I have because uh, I'm pretty happy using PayPal. Oh, stop it. A better solution <laughs> is here. MoGiv. Oh, yeah? Prove it, pal. <laughs> MoGiv spelled M-O-G-I-V-E? <laughs> no E. M-O-G-I-V. Oh, okay. so it's spelled M-O-G-I-V. Yeah. Well, that's lame. I don't want to sign up for something spelled like that. Just just think of it as like MoGiv. <laughs> MoGiv.com. <laughs> so not MoGivy? Not MoGivy. It's MoGiv.com. Forward slash church. Is built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. Go to mogive.com forward slash church to find out more information. Well, I was going to say you can have my PayPal when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers. 
But now that you put it like that, I might just check that out. Where do I go again? Mogive.com forward slash church. Wow. You've changed my life, Pete. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm happy that I've been able to do that for you. But let me ask you one other thing. <laughs> Are you a math pastor or a non-math pastor? No, I've been using PayPal as a as an online giving source. You know I'm not a math pastor. Well, I do stupid things, Pete. Are you really good at all the paperwork, the bookkeeping, the payroll, the workman's comp, all of that stuff that's required of a church nowadays in today's modern society? There's paperwork. <laughs> that would make you the non-math pastor for sure. Uh-oh. <laughs> you mean I got to get workman? No joke now. Most pastors don't know they actually need. It's a legal requirement to have workman's comp if you're employing somebody. Oh, yeah. All that stuff, man. All that stuff is why you need SimplifyChurch.com, where they simplify church. (laughs) Dot com. Well, you know, Pete, you got a way of putting things in a just very down-to-earth way. Well, you know, I was just trying to make it kind of like flow, and people know this is what they need. So they need Simplify Church, and they need MoGive. Those are the two things that you need. Without those, you can't plant a church. With those, you can plant <laughs> just churches that multiply like crazy. <laughs> they are the two silver bullets. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, well, he's important. But I'm telling you, you need MoGive and Simplify Church. Hey, hey, you know what, though? Uh, to be honest... Uh, honestly, now, if you guys have not tried either one of them, take them for a test spin. Try them out. You can quit them anytime. They are worth checking into. See if it changes your life. That's it will. It. Trust That's me. It. Why don't you sign us out, bud? Well, guys, thanks for joining us today. And uh, thanks for uh, sending us in any questions. Um, send us in some next week. And uh, don't forget that Church Planner Magazine is new on the stands. On our next podcast, we'll probably go over some highlights in it. A little bit, we'll have a real podcast, but we'll probably pick out some pieces. It is probably, and we say this every month, our best ever. Caesar Kalinowski on the cover, and uh, we it's jam-packed with some good stuff. There is, in particular, a Bivo Focus, and uh, Ruben Young, we talk about him all the time on the podcast, has written a fantastic article about bivocational church planning. All right, guys, well, thanks for joining us today. This has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you, If you want to reach ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 